Hey, this is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream, Refuge Recovery, and Dharma Punks. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I hope you're enjoying the Dharma. Together, may we create a positive change on this planet. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes. May our paths cross soon. Welcome, everybody. Anybody here for the first time tonight? New folks, welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to anybody joining us on Zoom. Oh, maybe I should use my microphone. You can hear me. Welcome to anybody joining us on Zoom for the first time. Welcome back, everyone else. I'm going to talk tonight about... Um, I'm not sure what I'm going to talk about, but one of the things I'm going to talk about is this Buddhist teaching about different realms of existence in the kind of uh, cosmology of Buddhism. There are six realms. There's a um, human realm, which supposedly we're supposedly we're in the human realm. The human realm is a balance of joy and sorrow, pleasure and pain gain and loss. Then there's animal realms. Animal realms are where we're driven by our cravings and we're like, uh, don't have a lot of choice. Like it seems like there's free will, but we're constantly, it's that sort of that realm of like survival, animal instincts, fight, flight. Uh, I like to think of it as eat, fuck, kill mentality. It's like animals. It's like, can I eat it? Can I fuck it? Should I kill it? In which order? Um, there's ghost realms. And uh, what's it called? The hungry ghost realm. Hungry ghost realm is uh, an experience of constant craving and inability to find satisfaction. There are these ghosts being realms where it's always craving. And no matter, um, you just can't get sat satiation. You just can't get satisfied. And the hungry ghost uh, in the art and in the description are these uh, beings with very large bodies, but with pinhole mouths. And they're surrounded by abundance. There's all, everything you need is there, but you can't get it in because your mouth just, you can't, even if you had a constant straw. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't get satisfied. And sometimes this is talked about as like a, a realm of addiction. You know, the kind of alcoholic, the addict who, um, you know, there's everything's there, but there's just no satisfaction, constant craving. There's a hell realms in, in this view, realms of constant pain, constant suffering, constant uh, unpleasant and there's different kinds of hell realms. There's fiery hell realms where you're, you know, the fire brimstone, like our Judeo-Christian, you know, images of hell as this sort of molten lava realm. But there's also in Buddhism, there's ice hell realms. Kind of interesting, right? Like, what do you choose? You want to burn or you want to freeze? Which is, which is worse? And um, there's a realm called the uh jealous gods and again like the hungry ghosts jealous gods have regular bodies and mouths and they're surrounded by uh, abundance 
and they have everything that they need, but still jealousy, that sort of, I've got everything that I need. But the way it's pictured is that um, above the jealous gods is the heaven realms. And in the heaven realms, they have one specific fruit, say a mango tree or whatever, <laughs> one specific fruit that doesn't grow in the jealous gods realm. And even though we've got, you know, kiwis and melons and apples and oranges, we've got all kinds of fruit, but we don't have mangoes. And so it's this constant like, but someone else has something better than I do, that jealousy. And it's a realm of misery, gods, you know, these kind of, we have everything, but we're jealous of those who have something more, something else. And then the heaven realms, and there's 27 different heaven realms. All of these different um, states of pleasure, of joy, of happiness, of contentment. There's not jealousy. There's not, there's not the pain of hell. There's not the craving of the ghost. There's not the, there's this sort of, all of these different descriptions of pleasure, orgies and smorgasbords and feather beds, <laughs> you know, whatever, you know, your happy place is. It's in the heaven realm. The problem with all of these Buddhist realms um, is that they're all impermanent. Well, the problem with heaven is that it's impermanent. You don't get, it's not the Judeo-Christian um, view of you get to go there forever. Eternalism. Buddhism is not an eternalist view. Buddhism is a view where everything's impermanent. Everything. The human life is impermanent, sickness, aging, death. And that cycle of sickness, aging, and death happens in all the realms. Animals, sickness, aging, death. Ghosts, sickness, aging, death. Heaven, impermanent. Hell, now good news when you're talking about going to hell. You might go to hell, but you just got to do some time. It's not forever. I'm giving away my whole fucking talk, but... <laughs> I'm doing it in service of, I want you guys to talk to each other. Now, the, probably these are literal teachings. Probably in 2,600 years ago and the Buddha and in the culture, and um, there is some sort of esoteric and mysticism in, in traditional early Buddhism where they're actually saying like, this is real. Like you could be reborn as an animal, you could be reborn in hell, you could be reborn in heaven, all based on your karma of this lifetime, literal teaching of realms. A lot of us, Western, psychologically minded, uh, rationalists, um, have decided to, and I think this happens in different schools of Buddhism too, to say maybe we could think of this not as rebirth into a realm, but as psychological analogy for states of mind for phases of our life in this incarnation. For instance, uh, when you've been in a lot of pain at times in this life, have you felt like this is hell? Not like hell is some other place, but right here, my broken heart, my you know, traumatized nervous system, I feel like I'm in hell. A lot of us, and somebody wrote a book about addiction as the realm of the hungry ghost. A lot of our community in recovery from alcoholism, addiction, knowing that feeling of constant craving. 
I can't, you know, no matter how much crack I have, it's not enough. No matter how much booze I have, it's not enough. No matter how much that experience of, of constant craving. <laughs> and probably we can all on some level relate to the jealous God of feeling like, you know what, I, if I'm honest, I've got my needs met, but I really want a new car. I got my needs met, but I would like a bigger apartment or house or, you know, and, you know, there's the desire and then there's the sort of like craving where we're actually suffering about jealousy and judging like, oh, those fuckers have Teslas and I don't. Those fuckers have, uh, you know, bigger houses than me or cooler motorcycles or better hot rods or whatever it is that you think you uh, need or want in order to be happy or that animal uh instinct place where you're not really making decisions and you're just following those drives lust you know or or hatred or or uh that kind of rage where it's like i will kill and maybe you won't really but emotionally it feels like that i want to kill hell heaven and how about heaven times in your life where you're like this is it i fucking got here everything is perfect i just had the best orgasm i'm going to be happy forever i just had the best meal i just had the best this bed when you're just that you know you get into bed sometimes and you're like ah oh, this is fucking heaven i'm so exhausted and this is so comfortable and you know, you lay there for like 10 minutes and you're like, I got to roll over. I'm not comfortable anymore. <laughs> this is so good. And now I'm not comfortable in permanence of that heaven, uh, of that pleasure, of that joyous experience that we, you know, dip in and out or that hell realm that feels like this is so bad. It's going to last forever. And then it passes that strong emotion, that pain, that heartbreak that passes, changes. And the description of humans, of us, the ideal, which is this um, level of like, yeah, there's pain sometimes, there's pleasure sometimes, there's uh, the good thing about the human realm is, you know, from this very human centric Buddhist perspective, is that it's here where we have enough pain to motivate us to develop wisdom. It's not so like in heaven, you don't meditate in heaven because you're just too comfortable. <laughs> Have you seen that in your life when things are going good? Yeah, not really meditating because, you know, everything's fine. But then when you get some suffering, some difficulty, some stress, like I really need to train my mind. I need to develop more compassion, more less attachment, more wisdom. When you reflect on your current state of mind are you uh, a human are you in balance joy and sorrow are you currently in a place where there's so much pain in your life that it often feels hellish it often feels like like my life is like a hell realm are you in a place these days where there's some jealous god energy in your mind that mentality of craving of covetousness of jealousy of envy how much does that attack how often, you know, does your mind say you need something that you don't have rather than looking around and being like, hmm, I got 
food, I've got clothing, I've got shelter. Hopefully I've employed those kind of things. Like, it's good. Yeah, actually I have, I have what I need. But the mind says, no, every other people have more. I need more. How many of these realms, I mean, on some level, it's this big explanation and I'm doing a kind of uh, brief overview of it. How many of these realms have you visited in your lifetime? Have you been in hell? Have you been in heaven? Have you experienced animalistic craving, jealous God's realm, hungry ghost realm? I'm going to talk more about this after, but I'd like to take a, have you take a few minutes to talk to each other a little bit about how in this one incarnation, this human incarnation that we're having, we cycle through these different mentalities. Part of the reason I want to talk about this is because I feel like, and I feel like it's common, that when we're not in a balanced place, we think there's something wrong. Why am I in hell? Why am I in jealousy? Why am I? And part of what Buddhism does is it normalizes, hey, this is part of having a, a human mind. You're going to have all of these different states. Sometimes it's going to be hellish. Sometimes it's going to be joyous. Sometimes it's going to be a lot of craving. Sometimes it's going to be incredibly comfortable and it's not going to last, which has its own grief with it. You're going to, you know, uh, this idea that eventually we're going to get to the place where everything's good all of the time that your life is going to be like heaven all of the time normalizing that that's impossible is helpful for us to really get it really accept that there's no such thing as constant permanent pleasure the heaven realm does not exist as a permanent experience even the enlightenment I don't know if you know this, maybe you're new to Buddhism or, uh, but just reminding you that even if you become a Buddha, fully enlightened, this guy, Siddhartha Gautama, the Buddha, zero suffering, this is what Buddhism offers, the end of suffering. The end of suffering includes pain, loss, uh, you know, criticism, uh, all kinds of unpleasant things. The end of suffering is not the end of difficulties, it's not the end of pain, it's not the end of impermanence. It's the end of suffering about pain and criticism and judgment and you know, people having more than you or less than you or feeling unworthy of what you have. It doesn't get rid of the human condition. It just gives us a wise relationship to the human condition. So I went way too far, but I want you to talk to each other just for a few minutes about what you, you know, these different realms and this normalizing of the joys and sorrows of existence and the cravings and aversions of, of existence. Uh, and partially we do this, I, I start class with this to have you meet each other. Part of Against the Stream's mission, if we, if we have a mission, is a place where you, um, you know, to, to have a community where you get to meet other people interested in Buddhism interested in practicing in this way because it's a central tenant to walk this path with others to have friends to have community to have connection with other people who are also trying to develop wisdom and compassion so find a couple of people in the room to talk to about the realms your experience 
um, going in and out of these realms. And at home, I will put you in breakout rooms. We'll talk some more about the realms after we meditate. The larger context of this perspective is that if we don't train our minds to develop wisdom, to understand the impermanent nature of all things, to have compassion for the painful experiences that are inevitable, to see through the self-centered tendency of our minds. If we don't, then um, we just continue to wander in and out of these cycles of suffering and temporary joys and instinctual drives and trauma responses and all of the stuff that we experience as, as people. But that if we do train our minds, the Buddha's Four Noble Truths, Eightfold Path, if we learn meditation, renunciation, if we follow this uh, practice, training, that there's the potential of freeing ourselves from this cycle of what's sometimes called an endless wandering in samsara, constantly moving from one unsatisfactory state of mind to the next or only temporarily landing in joy um, and getting attached to it and turning even the heavenly experiences into more suffering because we get addicted to them. The third noble truth, nirvana, is the end of suffering, is the end of wandering in samsara from realm to realm, from mentality to mentality. And it's only possible through mind training through meditation. It's, it's meditation as the core intervention. And it's not just meditation. It's also renunciation. It's also how we behave day to day in our lives, karmically, our actions. But we meditate, you know, it's a meditation center. We come here, we meditate because without meditation, we can't really think our way to the changes necessary. We can't study our way to the changes necessary. We can't uh, have faith and change we actually have to train the mind meditation is mind heart training to see clearly to respond wisely to experience nibbana the end of suffering in this lifetime through a meditative intervention and so we can talk about it but we also have to do it and so here we are to do it and um we'll have a period of about 30 minutes of sitting meditation and then we'll have some more discussion. So find a way to sit that's upright, relaxed. Find a posture that feels sustainable. And know that if you get uncomfortable in meditation, it's a great opportunity. Maybe even turn towards your pain and say, thank you for giving me the opportunity to develop some compassion, some tolerance, some forbearance and acceptance of the pain rather than thinking I'm doing something wrong by being uncomfortable. Let yourself settle into it. And as you're ready, allowing your eyes to be closed. Settling 
releasing any unnecessary tension that your body may be holding around the brow, the eyes, the jaw. Shoulders, neck, chest, belly. Imagine your skeleton sitting here, the bones sitting upright. As much as you can, let the flesh hang loosely around the skeleton. There's an image that's sometimes used of uh, a silk scarf draped around a pole. Let your body be like that scarf, just completely upright, but totally hanging loose around the skeleton. We establish an inner attitude of kindness, inclining the heart and mind towards friendliness, acceptance. And bringing full present time awareness to the body sitting, sensations. Feeling the contact with the chair, the cushion. Feeling the clothing against your skin, <coughs> hands resting on your legs in your lap. Allowing the breath to come and go naturally. Whatever rhythm the body is wanting to breathe without controlling the breath. We bring mindfulness to the sensations that the breath creates. The Buddha's instructions were something like breathing in, one knows I'm breathing in. Breathing out, one knows I'm breathing out. In order to do this, we try to disengage from thinking about the future and the past. Bring our full awareness to the present time experience of the body sitting, breathing.
your jaw becomes tight or belly. When you exhale, try to soften. Let go of resisting, trying to control your experience. Enjoy the simplicity of giving your full awareness to the sensations of the breath. Don't need to think about anything. Don't need to figure anything out. Just this half a breath, receiving mindfulness. Then the other half, keep it quite simple and focused. Seeing how we can choose to disengage from the thinking mind and return to the feeling body over and over.
Although you can keep the breath as the primary focus. If there's not much else going on, just keep coming back to the breath. The instructions begin to expand, encouraging us to bring this non-judgmental, present time, kind awareness to our whole being, to the emotions that are here, the moods, different realms that pass through the mind, rather than Ignoring the mind, we investigate, turn towards what's happening, what kind of plans, memories. Is the mind craving? Is it worried? Turning towards your mind. Is the mind experiencing tranquility, joy? The beginning, we learn to ignore it, and then we turn towards it, investigating the mind states, the moods, the attitudes. It can be interesting to use this teaching of the different realms. Well, my mind is in a ghost realm or a jealousy realm or a hell realm in this moment. Whatever we're experiencing in this moment, whether it's mind states, sensations, sense door, experience of sound or sight, smell or taste, everything we experience is perceived as pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. Bringing awareness to the feeling tone of the mind, those pleasant mind states that come and go. Those unpleasant sensations of sitting. Ultimately, our meditative practice is training us to Meet the unpleasantness with compassion. Meet the pleasantness with non-attached appreciation.
rather than nirvana being some distant goal right here in this moment. Letting go of anything that we're clinging to as I or me or mine. Letting go of anything we're resisting. Accepting this moment just as it is, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, comfortable, uncomfortable. Non-resistance, non-clinging, non-identification with the experience as self is a moment of nirvana, the end of suffering. Softening the belly, releasing the jaw, 
relaxing into this moment just as it is, over and over, not trying to stop the mind, but to witness what's passing by, passing through consciousness. Knowing it, naming it, helps us realize that it's not so personal, just the mind thinking. It's the human condition, worrying, craving. at times suffering. And in these moments of intentionally accepting, letting go, relinquishing the need for this moment to be any different than it is right now, it's just like this. Soften into it as much as you can. For the last couple of minutes, 
If you care to, keep doing what you're doing, accepting this moment just as it is, or bringing the loving kindness intentions into your practice. Saying to yourself, may I learn to be at ease with myself just as I am. In whatever realm I find myself, even when it's like hell, jealousy, craving. I learn to be at ease with the impermanence of the heaven realm states of mind, the joys that arise and pass. Extending this same wish to the people sitting near you, people you met in the small group discussions before class, beginning a class. Just as I wish to be at ease, I also wish for your ease, your happiness, your well-being, your freedom. And extending this outward in all directions to your friends and family, loved ones. Extending love and kindness, goodwill, friendliness from your heart. So we include all living beings and all realms of existence, all those suffering in hell realms and ghost realms, animal realms, jealousy realms, the human realm, the heaven realms, all included with our kindness. It is said that we could search all realms of existence and never find any being more worthy than our loving kindness, of our loving kindness than ourselves. Just reflect on that, remember that, your own worthiness, your own ability to heal, to awaken, 
I find myself sometimes having that thought, what the fuck is wrong with people? <laughs> and this is one of those teachings and Buddhism as a, um, a whole kind of perspective that I find very helpful when I'm kind of um, feeling judgmental or a little bit confused about why um, there's so much ignorance in the world, so much confusion, why there's so much greed and hatred and one of those teachings where I, I appreciate how Buddhism normalizes that um, the world, people are, um, are suffering, the first noble truth. It's where we start the whole, the Buddha starts the whole conversation, the whole teaching, the whole uh, practice. This is a realm of suffering and confusion. And even that question of what's wrong with people uh, has some delusion in it as though it's not supposed to be this way. Like there's something wrong. What the fuck is wrong with people? Destroying the planet, destroying each other, all of the racism, all of the sexism, all of the homophobia, all of the oppression and ignorance and there's this background um i don't know what it is assumption belief it shouldn't be this way shouldn't we shouldn't this realm should be other than the way that it is there should be equality there should be justice there should be love and generosity and kindness and right there's that background belief that i hold i think a lot of us hold of like, it shouldn't be like this. It should be a place of like, people should be kind. People should be loving. People should be honest. People should have integrity. People should, 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 should. And then coming to, uh, well, what did the Buddha say about this? Well, the Buddha said, here we are in samsara. This realm of perpetually wandering from animal mentality to hell mentality, to hungry ghost mentality, to you know temporary heaven realms temporary hell realms he said here's this noble truth of suffering what's happening here is that we're born into a world of that's fueled that's primarily uh, functioning out of a place of craving for pleasure aversion to pain self-centered fear-based instincts millions of years of biological evolution have brought us to this <laughs> to this shit this is where we are 2023 by the christian calendar 2000, uh, 2600, something, you know, 2560 something in the Buddhist calendar. You know, every religion creates their own calendar. 
based on when our guy was born. <laughs> that's when the world started. That's, that's when time started. The Buddha was around 2,600 years ago. Jesus was around a couple thousand years ago. That's so here we are. We'll mark it from there. But when I remember this teaching of the different realms and especially this perspective of um, that, although we all look, uh, you know, that tendency of our mind to compare and to judge and uh, what are they, what's that saying of like judging, uh, comparing our insides to other people's outsides and that kind of, you know, we look, we look outside of us and we, we think like um, we don't see the internal confusion that people are in. We don't see, you know, that person that's being rude to you is in a hunger, you know, you don't say, oh, but look at that, that person in the supermarket was really a hungry ghost. You see all those hungry ghosts in the supermarket? Uh, you see all those uh, people in, you know, hell realm uh, at the, you know, AA meeting? <laughs> or the, you see all those, you know, we don't think about like, well, what's going on? What kind of, we think, well, people are human and people should be honest and kind and you know, we have the capacity to be, to have integrity and to be loving and to be generous. But actually, it's rare. It's rare to meet people that are really honest and really practicing kindness and uh, generosity and uh, living in integrity, rather than that being the norm and this expectation that people shouldn't be unskillful to be nice you know the fuck is wrong what unskillful i find it helpful to think about well what's the internal battle that that person's in what's the mentality um and having reflected on our own lives i also can see a huge trajectory in my own life my own for lack of a better word, spiritual development, emotional maturity, uh, wisdom, whatever we want to call it. When I came to the, the desperation that led me to Buddhism um, was after years of a hungry ghosts realm addiction experience that led to like a hell realm type of uh, life. And I didn't know how to tell the truth and I didn't know how to not be violent. And I didn't know how, I didn't know any of those things. And you know, that like, what the fuck is wrong? I was the, like, what the fuck was wrong with me? I was the kid that was gonna steal from you and lie to you and not, not be trustworthy. And then seeing that over the years of meditation, recovery, psychotherapy, <laughs> all of the tools of learning to tell the truth, learning to, uh, learning to be uncomfortable and sit in my pain, learning to forgive myself and forgive others and develop compassion. And that, you know, those first 10 years of recovery and meditation practice and a slow transition, a slow transformation and and a kind of reincarnation if we want to think about these realms like from living in that hell realm and that ghost realm and that and then uh you know coming into a little bit less hungry ghost and more jealous god 
more delusion of like, well, I'll be happy when I get the right car. I'll be happy when I get the right stuff, whatever it is, the right relationship. That'll make me happy. That external looking outside, continuing to look outside of myself, of ourselves for happiness. And having some experiences along the way of heaven realms of like, I got this. This is it. I'm enlightened. <laughs> this is it. I'm experiencing joy. I'm experiencing freedom. I'm experiencing contentment. I finally forgiven myself. I finally learned to love myself and thinking uh, again, that background delusion of like, and now it's going to be like this forever. And then seeing like, Oh, nope, that was, impermanent <laughs> i didn't wasn't i don't i don't live in love and you know all of the time you know the anger comes back the resentments come back the fear comes back the self-centeredness comes back but those temporary those moments of relief those experiences of heavenly states of mind So reflecting on our own uh, process, where we're at, and I think it's more helpful if um, at points in your life you've been a bad person. It's hard for those of you who've always kind of been good people to relate. But if at times in your life, and by bad, I'm mean, not the unskillful, confused, ignorant, and you've, you know, um, then it's a little bit, I think, easier for us to remember that and then apply it to like, oh, that, that's what's happening in this world. This is a, a world of ignorance. This is a world of confusion. And I think according to, to Buddhism, one of the reasons I was thinking about this is that I cracked the suttas. The suttas are the early teachings, um, original teachings of the Buddha. Earlier today, I had some free time and I was like, I'll look at what the suttas say. And kind of every sutta I was looking at was uh, in this context of like, you know, for unenlightened people that haven't trained their mind, that are self-centered, that are fear-based. And the Buddha is always uh, giving this teaching of um, talking about what it's like to be ignorant versus what it's like to be wise. The ignorant, self-centered status quo on this planet where uh, greed is way more prevalent than generosity, where hatred is way more prevalent than love, where self-centeredness is the status quo, that we're all born into the system of self-centeredness and very few people break it. Very few people break that self-centered tendency because it takes a deep meditative training that very few of us are willing to do. It's hard, even just sitting here for 30 minutes and then doing that every day and then going on the retreats and then putting together the months and the years and the decades of training your mind to investigate, to turn towards and to question what's happening right now in my mind rather than being identified with it of this is who I am, of starting to see, oh, these are moods. These are different mind states. These are different realms that come and go. And ultimately, none of it's all that personal. 
relatively very personal, your mind, my mind, my life, your life. But ultimately this human condition of these archetypes of mentalities of craving is, we can all relate, we all experience it. Hatred, resentment, and self-centeredness, we can all relate, we all experience, universal. We call it Buddhism, but it's just a description of the human condition. It's like this to be a human. We get attached and we suffer because everything's impermanent. We have pain and we suffer because we don't, we're not good at being in pain. As much as we can, remembering that when people are annoying us, people are being unskillful in one way or another, that they're in pain, that they're confused, that they're suffering, that maybe they're in a hungry ghost realm right now, or a hell realm in their own lives. And that's why they're so unpleasant to be around or, uh, you know, are holding the views, the condition, the ignorance that they're holding. Just as we are at times and have at times in our life. When I was about, um, I don't know, 10 years, somewhere in that kind of 10 to 20 year, 10, 15, 20 years into my own practice, there was a time where, um, because I no longer regularly lived in a hell realm or a hungry ghost realm or a animal-like existence, and I had developed the ability to sit with my pain, and I had developed the ability to practice some renunciation of not doing what my mind was telling me to do, that I started to develop the delusion of, I thought, maybe I'm getting enlightened. <laughs> Maybe, maybe this shit is working to the point where like I'm, uh, this is freedom from suffering. And there was lots of moments of freedom from suffering. And it was so in contrast to a life of suffering, a life of active addiction, a life of uh, extreme self-centeredness and extreme uh, resentment and judgment and anger and hatred and self-hatred in comparison to those what we call lower realms. It felt like, wow, this is liberation. And as I said before, I was a little bit surprised, like when I had finally forgiven everyone, I thought it was going to last. And I was a little bit surprised when resentments came back and when self-centeredness came back and, and a little bit more of the um, jealous, less hungry ghosts, more jealous gods. Oh, now that I'm successful and sober and educated and whatever, I should have more. And seeing, uh, oh, I'm not at all enlightened. <laughs> I've just escaped the lower realms of extreme suffering and I've finally taken birth as a human being. I just wasn't, I was like, in, you know, maybe, maybe we're all born human. But then there are traumas, our conditioning, or whatever happens um, that leads us to addiction, that leads us to violence, that leads us to whatever happens in our lives, um, kind of 
brings us down into those, uh, you know, in this talk referring to as lower realms. And then the Dharma practice as this way out, way out of hell into not heaven all of the time, but into humanness where it's like, yep, everything's still impermanent and there's all this grief. There's still loss. There's still sadness. There's still uh, all of these challenges. There's still blame and there's still criticism and there's still all of the realities of life continue for us humans, no matter how spiritual, how emotionally intelligent and coming to wake up to really being human is having the capacity to deal with whatever's happening without turning it into more suffering. And that humility of up oh, can't do I can't do it perfectly all the time still get real attached and suffer about it. Still get real aversive sometimes and suffer about it, but knowing the solution quicker to forgive quicker to let go quicker to accept whatever's happening whether it's pleasant or unpleasant as being impermanent and unavoidable that which is unavoidable anyway some thoughts any we have a few minutes for questions or co some conversation about um about this perspective around the different realms. Please, Adriana. Um, I was just curious about the difference between the hungry ghost realm and the God realm, because the hungry ghost is surrounded by abundance, like unsatisfying sort of the thing that tortures them, but then the God realm, they're unsatisfied with what they have, surrounded by abundance, but you describe it as being jealous. Yeah. And I was, when we were talking, I wasn't sure I identify more with the unsatisfied thing, but what's the difference between those two realms? Like, I know which one you would be in or experience. It sounds like something. Well, the way that, um, the way that, could you hear at home the question? Yes. Okay. Um, like, one of the ways that the art depicts it is that the hungry ghost realm is more like a physical craving. Right, because you're surrounded. Uh, it's that this image of like you're at the buffet, everything's there, and it smells. You know, and you can smell it, and you can. But you just—it's constant physical craving. You can't get it in. Now, so it feels like more of a physical starvation. And the the jealous gods feels much more psychological. You're at the buffet. <laughs> You got your fork and your knife and your mouth and you you can eat you can eat as much as you want, but there's a glass wall between you and somebody at this other buffet that's you know they got the crab legs and you didn't. <laughs> or whatever it was you wanted and rather than being satisfied with what you do have. Even though you're full. It's that psychological like well i'm this isn't okay. This is not, a, you know, and so it's much more uh, in our mind because it's not physical. It's just emotional jealousy, craving, different than that physical hunger. 
of not being, you know, not having enough. You actually have enough, but your mind doesn't know it. So similar, craving is craving, but there is a different from that visceral physical hunger to emotional hunger. Envy. Please say comment on being human. I think is interesting in Buddhism is it's the most desired realm in Buddhism because we have the ability to change. When in some of these other realms, it's much more difficult for us to shift. The gods are actually jealous of the humans in a way, because, or the Buddha, because he could become enlightened in a lifetime. And in some of these other realms, it's almost as if they have to burn through their karma to a degree in order to, to actually even become a human. And it's all human centric as what's your name? Joe. As Joe's saying, where, um, you know, with the reincarnation thing is then you, you want to come back to human where you can meditate, where you can train your mind, because, um, you know, when you're constantly at war in the jealous God realm or you're constantly in pain in the hell realms or you're just too lazy in the heaven realms because things are just temporarily too good. That this is the balanced realm where we can meditate, where we can actually get ourselves to nirvana. You know, some of the, this, you know, again, gets a little, uh, not everybody believes in this, but um, that there's these different levels of enlightenment, like the um, stream entry and the once returner and the non-returner, um, that you can develop enough wisdom in this lifetime that you have just a temporary number of incarnations left and that you might actually get to do the rest of your time in the heaven realms. Seven incarnations in heaven. That sounds, sounds good, but that it's all temporary, that you don't get to stay there, that nirvana, and then maybe that brings up the bigger question. And I'm not as interested in this philosophically, but like if, if nirvana is not heaven, what is it? Um, and so, you know, it's pictured as separate from these realms. It's not part of these realms. But the way that I like to think about it is nirvana is, no matter what's happening, being in acceptance and at ease, even in hell. Those moments, the, the, one of the ways that you get out of hell is by meeting your pain with compassion. One of the ways that, uh, you know, you get out of the jealous God or the hungry ghost is by accepting, oh, this is just impermanent craving. I don't need to obey it. I can let it arise and pass. And it's really the human centric model that says only uh, with the balance of joy and sorrow, not constant joy, not constant sorrow, do we have the motivation and the ability to really get free. Anything else, questions at home? Ray, go ahead. Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> do you have any advice for maybe uh, someone who feels like a hungry ghost who's just now becoming self-aware or like coming to the end of their rope with being a hungry ghost and just kind of trying to find themselves after going through the end of that experience? Yeah. Uh, well, you're in good company. And um, I, <laughs> I mean, my main advice is community of other people that are also, you know, I don't know if you're talking about it as addiction, um, but, you know, recovery community 
and or just um, spiritual community sangha of other people who've been there who are also you know training the mind showing up um, living by the precepts and renunciation like this is the path this four noble truths this eightfold path that will help you get out and we don't do it alone we do it with each other it's why i start class by having you talk to each other because we need to meet and connect and um, have that support from from each other so um you know and then it's meditation practice it's it's people but it's practice it's getting on the cushion every day and sitting with and coming to understand the impermanent nature of these cravings and um breaking our habitual tendency to obeying the mind and learning to just sit and observe and let those arise and pass arise and pass uh, much easier said than done but the more we sit the more we practice the more we train the mind in this way the more you'll start to extricate yourself from that habitual reactive tendency of obeying the cravings so do you have to like almost learn to become passive with it yeah some of the pa passive by passive do you mean non-reactive yeah yeah we do we have to stop obeying our minds hope that's helpful. I'll take one more online, then come to the ones in the room. Laura, go ahead. Hello, all. Thank you for your service, Noah. Um, I recently was discussing um, the possibilities of the afterlife with a Catholic. And he, actually two separate Catholics, uh, one of them suggests when i said that i practice buddhism said oh you believe in reincarnation and my aunt who is also a catholic said you better figure out what you believe before it's too late <laughs> um, and i said what do you mean and she said are you uh are you good or are you bad and I said, oh, that's the reason why I'm not a fucking Catholic anymore. But my fear is I have a genuine fear. I, I, I don't know what I believe about the afterlife. I feel like perhaps I'm too logical to believe in something that can't be proven. Um, but I want to believe that something comes next. And I guess my question for you is, I guess, what do, what do you believe? What do you believe? Um, here's what I'll say. I think that actually where you're coming from is really wise. And um, personally, I respect not knowing more than people that are really convinced that they know including buddhists that are really convinced that for sure it's rebirth for sure 100 percent faith i'm personally a little bit skeptical um and what i personally lean towards is uh, faith in the buddha's teachings 
Now, I don't have blind faith. I'm not sure about reincarnation. I think I'm a little bit more like you, like, I don't know. We'll see. And, you know, as far as your, as far as your aunts, um, you know, you better figure it out. I'm not sure we need to figure it out because whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Whether, whatever you believe, you know, you might believe in an eternalist heaven and then be like, oh shit, I was wrong. Here I am again. <laughs> Fucking reborn. <laughs> totally wrong about that last time around. Or you might believe in reincarnation and end up in an eternalist hell. I don't know. Or you're, you know, the kind of, there's sort of probably lots of different, but sort of three, or you might believe it's just lights out nihilism, no continued existence, no afterlife. And, and you might be right. That might be what's all that's happening here. Worm food, that's it. But also you might not be, you could be wrong, right? Like you actually might die and be like, I was pretty sure I was gonna be lights out and fuck, here I am again. Some level of consciousness continued. I killed myself for no reason, shit. Now I'm a fucking teenager again. <laughs> as, if, as if it wasn't bad enough the first 3,000 times I took birth. <laughs> Here I am doing this fucking hell realm again. So I don't know. I don't think it's important to know. Um, I have a lot of confidence in what the Buddha taught because I've directly verified that he wasn't wrong about how mindfulness works and about how we can develop compassion and how we can uh, experience forgiveness and how we can experience wisdom and we can break our addiction to our minds. He wasn't wrong about all of, uh, if, if the Dharma is A through Z, the alphabet of the Dharma of Buddhism, A is true in my direct experience, B, C, D, E, F, G, is true in my own direct experience. It's all subjective, but I've been investigating it for decades now, and I find this stuff to be true and trustworthy. Now, if reincarnation is X, Y, Z, I'm not sure, because I don't have direct verified uh, experience of, of remembering past lives or, or knowing for sure, but I lean towards like, he wasn't wrong about this other shit, so maybe that's what's happening. Also, it doesn't matter to me. And I hope it doesn't matter to you or any of us whether or not you have a next life. I feel motivated here and now in this life to try to be kind and loving and generous and as wise as I can be in this life. If there's another next life, then it's a bonus, right? Because then that will mean that we have a good rebirth. If you, you know, as much karma that you create, like you get to bring all of that goodness with you. Um, so if that, if reincarnation is true, cool. If it's not true, I live the best life that I could here and now. I came to the Dharma and I tried to apply it and get as free as I could in this lifetime. And then that was it, which made me a more pleasant person to be around. <laughs> and what a great thing for my children, <laughs> my friends, and everyone that I interacted with. The, so I'm much more interested in this lifetime than any past or any future. And it's why this talk about the different realms does make more sense to me in the um, context of psychological mind states than physical realms. I guess it's about that time. Sorry that we didn't have more time for discussion. 
um, this talk, all of the talks, everything that I have to say here at Against the Stream is offered for your contemplation, for your reflection, for you to see what parts make sense to you and are beneficial to you. Try on the perspectives. None of it is um, to be believed. All of it is to be questioned and investigated. couple of announcements I uh, just put open for uh, registration, a day-long meditation retreat that we'll do here on Sunday, July 18th, where we'll do a 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. day of meditation retreat practice. 16th. 16th? Okay, 16th it is. Is that right? I thought it was it. 16th is on the website. Okay, is 16th a Sunday? Yes. It's supposed to be the 18th, I think. It's a Sunday. July 16th is a Sunday. Okay. Jason Murphy says July 16th. I'm going to believe him. He's looking at a calendar. So it is July 16th, Sunday. Um, not June, July. And um, it's open for registration. Come sit for the day. Um, kind of summer day of practice. We'll do some sitting, some walking. You're all invited. There is a registration fee. If you can afford it, please pay to register to come. Uh, if you can't afford it and you want to come, uh, just let us know and we'll do some scholarshiping for anybody that can't afford the registration fee so that you have the opportunity to come. It's also available for people at home to um, just shoot us an email if you can't afford it, but if you can pay for it, it helps support the center. Um, Classes done by donation, everything uh, here is supported by your generosity, your volunteer contribution. Uh, we do have a few thousand dollar a month overhead for rent and employees and you know costs, insurance, all of that stuff that we have to pay to be a meditation center. So be as generous as you can for the drop-in class. If you can do $25 when you drop in on Mondays, do that. If you um, need to give less because of your finances, give less. If you can give more, please give more. It's a voluntary contribution. Your, 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 whatever you give is up to you. Um, there's a seven-day retreat in September up in um, Big Bear, up by uh, Lake Arrowhead that I'll be teaching. We were just there last weekend for the Memorial Day retreat. It's a pretty cool center. The room that we're in is this beautiful view out over the mountains. And, um, you know, it's one of those old camps up there. So it's a little bit beat up, but it's pretty cool. Um, better than the last place we were at last year. We're, we're upgrading a little bit. The rooms are, are nice. So consider coming to sit for seven days in September. And the Thailand pilgrimage um, appears to be sold out. Um, so if you were thinking about coming uh, and you didn't get registered, um, looks like we're full. If you wanna come, I would encourage you to, uh, as soon as possible, get on the waiting list because I might open up a couple more spots. And also probably by the time we do this in November, um, people will cancel and also more spots will open. So if you wanna come, Get on the wait list so that you, I think there's only one person on the wait list so that you get high on the wait list and then you probably will get in. Is that no, we're going to the northeast, uh, Uban Ratchatani, which is where Ajahn Chah, so it's closer to Laos than, than Chiang Mai. 
um, northeast of Thailand this time. Next year in 24, I'm going to teach a do something in the south of Thailand um, down in um, Suratani, uh, not Suratani. Um, is it Suratani province down there? Um, and we're going to go to this retreat center. Was it? Chaya, this retreat center that's floating on a lake where you like go out on boats and you're on the lake and you go to kayak and swim in the lake and it's surrounded by you know the jungle. So uh, in 24, I'm going to do another retreat over there. So it's going to be really cool. Can you sign up for that one yet? Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Jason has been on retreat there before. Uh, I'm not going to be here next week. Jason Murphy is going to be substituting for me. He also teaches here on Wednesdays. So, um, Come to class next week, support each other. You're not here for the teachers, you're here for the, the Sangha, for the teachings, the practice. And uh, then I'll be back the week after. So thank you for your practice tonight. May any goodness that comes be shared outward in all directions. May this merit benefit all beings everywhere. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. This is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream and Refuge Recovery. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes.